Okay, all right. I'm absolutely convinced that as the fate of the universe wills it, whatever that means, things do kind of cluster or group together in certain points in time, right? I mean, after all, isn't that the whole foundation of the concept of, ooh, bad things come in threes? And why is it three? I mean, why is it not four? Why is it not five? Whatever. But haven't you noticed, and I've said this before on different occasions, things kind of do group together. And it's never like the great stuff. It's always the concerning stuff or something out of left field. And typically the not so good stuff that kind of comes together in a little group. Weird, whatever. But listen to this these two conditions, these two scenarios that just happened in the last 48 hours. And I was going to do this episode at some point, but I totally moved it up to right now because I'm like, all right, okay, I can read the tea leaves. I know what the universe is putting out there and I'm listening. My antenna's up. I I see the cars that are being put down. Okay. I think that that's enough of my my analogies. Uh, The point is I, I got to do this now because it's, it's prime time for picking. So let me explain what happened, right? Last 48 hours. Yesterday, I received a message from uh, one of our uh, social media channels, and it was uh, asking about uh, the Levener Gestrol 52 milligram uh, intrauterine system for emergency contraception. Okay, now this is nothing new that that this original trial, which was a non-inferiority trial, we're going to talk about it, obviously, uh, in this episode, uh, that trial came out Back in 2021, all right, nothing new. And we're going to talk about that again. We're going to break that down uh, in this episode. Um, but when that came out, like, hey, maybe the levonorgestrel uh, IUS has some validity here for emergency contraception. All right. From that point on, several professional societies have both gone onto the bandwagon of that. And they're like, this is fantastic. I believe it. We're going to get that. We're going to promote this if the patient wants it in the appropriate context. And then there's others that are like, hold on there, Junior. Hold on. Slant. Hold. Put the brakes on. And because we need more data. Okay. So it's very, very uh, dichotomous here. All right. So that's the one message. The message that I received on a social message, uh, social uh, media channel was, uh, hey, there's a new article out in the Green Journal um, saying maybe we should kind of, con- you know, put some uh, some caution to the levonorgestrel 52 milligram IUS for emergency birth control. What do you think about that? And, and we're going to discuss that article. And to be clear, that's not a new study. That is basically a commentary. It's a critique of the non-inferiority uh, randomized trial. That was done on Mirena. Let's call it what it is, because I'm not saying leaving or gestural 52 milligrams IUS every single time. All right. So, yes, I'm kicking out the brand name. We're supposed to stick with non-branded as much as possible, but screw that. So, uh, Mirena, uh, the trial in 2021. So that that message from our social media channel, super timely, because that article officially got launched on February the 1st, though it came out ahead of print um, like one or two months ago. All right. So that's the social media question. What, what do I think? What's my take on, on that critique uh, from that study that's now out in the Green Journal, February 2024? And don't worry if you haven't looked at it. I'm going to give you all that data. Okay. So that happened yesterday. Well, today I received a text uh, from a buddy of mine, a faculty in another location, actually outside of Texas, and said, hey, Hector, um, Oh my goodness, uh, last month I, I offered and a patient accepted a Mirena for emergency contraception. And now there's something in the Green Journal, quote, that says we shouldn't use it. 
end quote. That, that's exactly what the text said, okay? That said we shouldn't use it. By the way, that's not what this new article said at all. You see how stuff gets spun out of whack? I mean, isn't that wild? I mean, this is like the typical telephone game because obviously, and this is a good, this is a buddy, okay? This is a friend of mine. And then I responded back. I'm like, dude, did you even read the article, did you, bro? It's like, no, but it just said, like, the title. I read the title. I'm like, stop, stop, stop. I'm like, from the title, you got that we shouldn't use the Mirena for emergency birth control? It's like, well, I was going to take a look at it, and this is all going back forth in text, okay? So the short of it is, I said, okay, so you placed the Mirena last month for emergency birth control, and what happened? I mean, did you follow up in a month? You're supposed to have another check and make, make sure pregnancy tests negative, to which the response was, Oh, yeah, pregnancy test is negative. I mean, it's fine. There's no evidence that she's pregnant from her unprotected intercourse, and she's happy with it, wants to continue with it. So it was a no problem looking for a problem, okay? And for that second encounter, again, guys, this is the second issue, second question uh, about Mirena as the emergency birth control. The first one was from our social media channel, uh, and that <laughs> through that text message. Oh, sorry, that little bronchitis kind of acted up there. <clears throat> Uh, and then the second one was from a friend of mine at another residency program who said, hey, I told the residents we could use this. Did I make the wrong? Did I tell them wrong? To which I responded, absolutely not. It is not wrong. But, of course, in medicine, it's not that easy. So in this episode, we're going to highlight a lot of stuff here. And we're going to set the record straight. And we're going to let the numbers speak for themselves, all right? Because I'll be very clear here, it's super confusing and it is a little bipolar in terms of uh, of the opinion here. Some are like, absolutely, let's use this. Others are like, pump the brakes, as I've already mentioned, and we're going to make this super applicable, okay? We're going to put it in a proper perspective. So, Lots to cover. What is the new stuff? What's the new criticism about Mirena as an intrauterine uh, system for emergency contraception? I'm going to tell you, and we're going to make it plain. In Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves real fast. This is Clinical Pearls. podcast family isn't that wild i mean in two days two different people two different locations one straight up just through our messenger i forgot was it messenger or instagram i think it was instagram i don't know anyway uh question about morena uh, as emergency contraception and then a a personal text from my buddy in another residency program two on the same subject um in two days I mean, it's really timely. Now, I love it that at least, uh, you know, uh, they're looking at what's coming on, what's new out in the Green Journal, and that got the, 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 the mind and the thoughts flowing here, all right? And I love it. But as my buddy got confused, no, that commentary, uh, which is called Reexamining the Evidence from the Green Journal, February 2024, absolutely did not say that the Mirena device could not be used or should not be used as emergency contraception. Just the opposite. Now, I'm going to read you that text verbatim um, exactly as it's written in just a moment, okay? But it does raise some super valid questions that are absolutely legitimate, and they are they hit exactly the main point of this study, but we have to put it in context. We have to put it in perspective, okay? Because the, the criticisms that they raised, and, and if you could imagine that that 
um, symbolically, they've got their foot and they're pumping on the brakes of this thing uh, on this ride, right? They're pumping on the brakes and that's all valid. But you got to take it out of that specific, just that, that one paper and then put it into the broader picture of emergency contraception. And I'm going I'm to make it very plain here in a minute, okay? But it's super interesting that that one non-inferiority randomized trial, guys, that one study, man, I mean, the press, the medical literature went nuts with this. I mean, there was commentaries. They're like, my goodness, thank goodness we finally have another option for emergency contraception uh, that that should rival the gold standard, right? So first of all, the most effective method of emergency contraception, hands down, is not an oral medication. It's not levonorgestrel oral, either as a single dose or split dose. It's not uh, ulipristol as a progesterone receptor modulator or any of their generic varieties. It is, hands down, without question, the copper T intrauterine device. That is phenomenal for emergency contraception up to 120 hours. Now, it tends to have some issues with continuation because of the cramping and the abnormal bleeding issues. But for emergency birth control, it's legit. Okay, it's it's the absolute best. So that's the first answer. What's the best form of emergency contraception? Uh, the copper tea. Now, what's the better form of contraception, period? It's regular daily uh, a lark use, that's the best, so that hopefully you don't have to use an emergency contraceptive agent because over time they're not as effective as regular scheduled birth control. But if you have to use emergency contraception, Plan B has a role, no question. Uh, Ella has a role, no question. But because those are uh, maybe influenced to some degree by body weight, less so, much less so for Olipristol, the intrauterine device is hands down the best, okay? So when there's a data, a single study that came out and said, look, we, we, we have a pretty good design here. It's an RCT. We didn't intend to treat analysis, so the data seems to be kept out of bias, and it's non-inferior. We're going to discuss all these terms in, in this episode, okay? I'm just kind of laying it out as an outline because we got to know what that study showed and what it didn't. It did not show that one is superior than the other. It did not show that they were both equivalent. Non-inferior is different than, com- than, compa- than comparable. Comparable means it's one or the other on the same level. Non-inferior is eh, pretty darn close, not, not any significant difference, either statistically or clinically. Okay, so non-inferior is different than at or above the level of effectiveness, right? It's just, it's just non-inferior. I mean, it's, 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 it's going to be okay. In other words, uh, and that's exactly what this showed. There was no no clinical or statistical significantly different result between the Mirena or the Copper T as emergency birth control. But as this new critique came out in the Green Journal in February and raised some valid points, their concern is, hey, are we do we jump on this bandwagon too much? It's only one study. Um, it, it's got some little bit of some little bit of issues in terms of study design. Um, are we ready for this? Now, I love this because I hope you do too, because the answer to that question, are we ready for this, is yes, absolutely, and maybe not. <laughs> I'm going to explain it because once we go through this episode, you're like, oh, okay, I, I guess so. I guess that makes sense. I want you to decide, all right? So you be the judge of that. I'm going to give you the, the numbers straight out of the data, not just of the original RCT from 2021, 
but but the numbers in general for emergency contraception. That's why I labeled this putting it into perspective. Okay, we got to take a look at it not just not just through the eyes of that one RCT, but in the entire field of emergency contraception. Now, I'll be very clear. If you want to know where I stand in this, I'm 100 percent open to all forms of emergency contraception because we need something that's going to keep a patient protected if she has an episode of unprotected intercourse and is at risk for pregnancy because um, that's how we win this whole game is having more options of effective contraception, whether it's scheduled uh, or emergent, okay, emergency contraception. Now, and I also want to be, be very clear here so that nobody takes this out of context. I am saying that the absolute best historically and as of right now is the copper tea. And that's not just uh, with you know because it goes up to 120 hours. I mean that's you know even if you place it in 24 hours, 48 hours, it's just a benefit that it can go all the way up to 120. There is nothing like the protection as emergency birth control, like the one that the a copper tea uh, possesses. Right? It's just incredible contraception. Now, when you talk about non-inferior, yes, it's not the exact same result, but when you put it into context compared to what Ella looks like and what Plan B looks like. Shoot, even with a non-inferiority design, it still wins. But there are some true issues that we need to discuss here. Like, there's only one study that says that this could be a thing. And that from that one study, and I just wanted to lead this in and make this in the lead-in, look how professional societies and professional organizations uh, have have taken a, a side, all right? Because it's become almost a very partisan thing. And I don't mean that from a political standpoint. I mean, you are either pro-Morena as IUS, uh, as, as an emergency contraceptive, as EC, or not so much for Morena IUS as EC. So let me explain to you. Let's talk a little about how controversial this just is. Let me tell you which organizations are for it and who is not. Right now, I'm looking at the CDC's patient-friendly website on emergency contraception. Right? This is a simple Google search. It's www.cdc.gov slash reproductive health slash contraception, okay? So, and of course, I'll post the link in part of our reference list. Under emergency contraception, it lists the types of emergency contraception as the intrauterine device, that's the copper IUD, and the emergency birth control pills, which is ulipristal acetate and levonorgestrel in a single dose or as the split dose, which is two tablets of 0.75 taken um, uh, 12 hours apart, it also does mention the old uh, USP regimen, which is combined estrogen and progestin pills. But because you got to worry about, is it a 30 microgram, 20 microgram, is it a 50 microgram? That's still available by prescription. It gets a little hairy. So most don't use a USP style. Okay, combination birth control, plus they really make you puke. So the, the according to the CDC, the types of emergency contraception are the copper tea, ulipristal, levonorgestrel, uh, either as a single pill or split dose, and the combined estrogen, progestin, birth control pills in the style of the old USB regimen, okay? It does not mention Mirena, okay? It does not mention levonorgestrel at 52 milligrams. And just to be clear, this does not apply to Kylina or Skyla. It is only to the 52 milligram levonorgestrel, okay? So that's what we're talking about here for emergency contraception. Also in this cautionary group who really doesn't push the levonorgestrel 
uh, IUS as emergency birth control is the Faculty of Sexual and Reproductive Health Care. That's a subdivision of the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. They've also issued a statement in response to that RCT that said, hey, guys, maybe we need a little bit more data here. We're not really sure um, if, if this is, uh, you know, 100 percent in or not. So they're a little bit more cautious. Plus, there's also a Cochrane review that also says, hey, you know, we're right now. I, I, the data seems to be OK on on the uh, Marina type of device for emergency contraception, but maybe not yet quite ready uh, for prime time. Okay, so th- there is all of these different kinds of data out there that have looked at this and are just kind of being very cautious about adopting. This Cochrane review was published in February of 2023. So keep these dates in mind, okay, because this is super interesting that. February 2023, the Cochrane Library and the Database of Systematic Reviews releases, quote, progestin intrauterine device versus copper intrauterine device for emergency contraception, end quote. And now, February 2024, we have basically the same group of authors with the same commentary now coming out in the Green Journal. So I want to be very clear here. This report from the Green Journal, February 2024, and I'll give you that title in just a minute, um, is nothing new because those same authors actually did the, the Cochrane Review one year ago. Okay, so we've known this already, but it's in the Green Journal. People don't really look up the Cochrane Review. And so it's kind of, you know, lighting the fires here of, of concern. And yes, they've got great points, but I'm going to put it in perspective here. Okay, so you got you to gotta hang with me towards the end because I'm going somewhere. Okay, we just, we just got on the bus and we just barely started moving. Okay, it's going to be a rocky road, but I'm going to get us to the finish line, I promise. All right. So the, the publication from February 2024, which again, the, the, the first listed author is the same one in the Cochrane Review from February of 2023. But the article that just came out this month is the Levener Gestrel releasing intrauterine device as emergency contraception, re-examining the data. Okay, well, re-examining the data is not new because that's, again, that's the exact same thing that was done exactly one year ago in the Cochrane Systematic Review. Same first listed author, okay, which is Ramadan. So it's the same, same person and, and team. So in the 2023 February Cochrane Review, which are the same points, again, from this month in the Green Journal. Let me just read you the author's conclusions, and we're going to go further deeper into them in just a minute, okay? But let me just, let me just give you this, because I mentioned the Cochrane Review along with the Royal College and the Faculty of Sexual Health, and this is what, what, what they're all in that same camp of, hold on, be cautious about this. In this author's conclusion, quote, this review is limited in its ability to provide definitive evidence regarding the levonorgestrel IUD's equivalent. So first of all, that irritates me because it's not an IUD. There's only one IUD. It's a copper T. The levonorgestrel is an intrauterine system. So it's an IUS. <clears throat> but I, I digress. So let, let's keep going with what they say. We have limited uh, in, we are limited in our ability to provide definitive evidence regarding the levonorgestrel IUD's equivalence superiority or inferiority to the copper IUD for emergency birth control because basically they have one study and maybe it's got some methodological issues which I'm going to discuss in a minute uh, mainly in their randomization uh, and in the kind of at-risk behavior that the patients may have or may not have been 
uh, participating with. I'm going to explain that in a minute. But all to say, this new article isn't new at all. Guys, this is the exact same message that came out exactly one year ago, February 2023, by the first listed author. Okay, so uh, what's well, not exactly the year because the Cochrane Review came out February the 27th, 2023, and this came out officially in the Green Journal February the 1st. So one year ish. Um, I have to apologize. Why am I like so worked up about this? Can you all hear it? I mean, I'm like somebody just told me Mike said you got to calm down, calm down. I don't know. Um, I'm off the roids for my upper respiratory infection. My cough is much better. I'm not as caffeinated as I usually am, but I'm all like, I feel like I'm all worked up, like I'm yelling into our little mic. Um, Y'all hear that? I don't mean to be. I I definitely don't want to sound obnoxious, but I am all worked up for a a couple of things. One, I can't, it just drives me insane. I know it's very OCD when people called the levonorgestrel intrauterine system an IUD. It's not. The, I, the FDA label has it as an intrauterine drug delivery system. I know I should let it go. I know it. Lower expectations. Lower the expectations. But no, we got we to be true to the terms and I can't stand when people do that. So that's, that's just my serious neuroses. Um, second is, I, I just, I, I don't, I, I, it bothers me that uh, we we have an ability to take things out of context and really just get conf- confuse ourselves. We're super good at that, aren't we? As clinicians, we're, we're super good at, at being so cerebral and thinking about it so deep, and we kind of run ourselves into a circle. I mean, I do, and I've, I've, I've oh, I periodically uh, have to s- just step away and go, okay, I need to stop thinking about it because I've totally confused myself. Um, and I, some of this uh, Mirena for emergency birth control is some of that, okay? Um, but, and then the third thing is, uh, as my buddy, you know, texted and misinterpreted the title, which is, hey, should we not be using Mirena as emergency birth control? That's not the focus or even what the authors were trying to say. The whole purpose of that last Cochrane review from last year and this new article, which is a rehash of that one, it's maybe we should look for the data a little bit better. Okay, which is fair. Maybe we need to look at the data a little bit better. Maybe we need to hold off for more data. But even in this February 2024 article, it's, they state this doesn't mean that we're not calling for a change in current practice for using the levonorgestrel IUS 52 milligrams for emergency contraception. We're just saying maybe we really, really need to tell the patient about it. Maybe use it with an adjuvant medication. I'm going to explain that in a minute. Like if there's any kind of concern, maybe they should get it with. Um, with plan B, throw in a little plan B to kind of give it a little boost. That That's a thing too. And that's been studied because before levonorgestrel intrauterine system was used by itself uh, against copper T, there was a study that used the uh, Mirena style device with plan B as a little extra boost. Okay, now not with olipristol because that's an anti-progestin. Okay, it's a pro- progesterone receptor modulator. But that's something that's also being proposed. Maybe if you're going to use a Mirena for long-term continued birth control uh, after emergency contraceptive insertion, maybe give them at the same time, even though they're over the 72-hour mark for Plan B, give them Plan B uh, as a little extra protection, as an adjuvant medication. That, that's been studied, okay? But, but that's why I think I just get so worked up because... In all inpatient protection, we can definitely kind of talk ourselves out 
of, of a good option if the patient desires it because that's exactly what's happening is that we're focusing on this one tree like, oh, the data, maybe it's not great. It's not inferiority. It didn't really show superiority. Um, maybe some issues here in, in the randomization. And that's a bit big maybe. Okay. Now I'll explain in a minute. Um, but the data analysis was good. It was intent to treat. The data was valid. And this is why the other group, the other party that I'm going to tell you here, the pro uh, Mirena uh, as emergency contraception uh, has their stance. I'm going to tell you who they are here in just a minute. And they're very bold about it. It's on their front-facing patient material. I'm going to tell you that in just a minute. So I just wanted to see, see how controversial this is and how easy it is for us to get confused when my stance is, yes, I feel this is an option. Yes, I believe that data because it's not the first data that has kind of proposed this. Uh, both in concept uh, and now this is the first real RCT that has shown this. And now there's further data that has taken that very same uh, study patients and extrapolated to a year and looked at those continuation rates. And guess what? It functioned just like the copper T. So not only do we have the data as emergency contraception, we now have data for the 52 milligram levonorgestrel system uh, continuation for up to a year, which rivaled uh, the copper tea. And I'll give you that in, in just a minute. So lots of stuff has come out here. Uh, but we get the, the whole point here, guys, is we have to put it in proper perspective. Okay, so the, the people who are on the pro Mirena side, oh, and let me I'm sorry, because I, I do need to it, it clarify something. Nowhere in this study did it say Mirena. I honestly have no idea what they used in this study. I don't know if it was Mirena or Liletta. I don't care. Uh, and you shouldn't either. It's not about the brand. It's about the device amount, right? So I'll be very clear. It's levonorgestrel, IUS, 52 milligrams. I can tell you what it's definitely not. It's not Kylene or Skyla because those aren't 52 milligrams. So when I say Mirena, I'm just doing that as a prototypical example in historic a norm of what is a levonorgestrel 52 milligram intrauterine system. I have no idea. Be very clear. I don't know if this was Mirena or Liletta. And if you have on your shelf Liletta and interested in using this as emergency contraception, up to 120 hours, either alone or has one small study tried to show uh, together with Plan B, which seemed to work, uh, as long as it's not a an anti-progesterone like Ella at the same time, even if it's after the 72 hours, uh, it, it can just function like a little boost. Why not? It can't hurt. And there is some some small evidence that that's, that that's uh, possible. I want to be very clear. I don't know if it's Mirena. I don't know if it's Liletta. It doesn't matter. It was levonorgestrel, 52 milligrams. I'm simply saying Mirena just because it's easier, okay? Uh, that's all. Before we get into those who are for or pro levonorgestrel intrauterine system as emergency contraception, I mentioned that there was a study that used uh, that drug delivery system, 52 milligrams levonorgestrel, together with oral levonorgestrel, okay? Now, it's the same group of authors, guys, same, same team, all right? It's Turek et al., and this, they published this uh, in Contraception 2017, and the title was one-year continuation of copper or levonorgestrel intrauterine devices initiated at time of emergency contraception. So, as I told you before, this this randomized trial of non-inferiority wasn't the first. There's other data out there that have looked at this. Okay, same group here, right? But in contraception 2017, remember the non-inferiority trial that we'll get into in a minute was 2021. But in this study, they're like, ooh, I don't know, maybe uh, Mirena-type device wouldn't work by itself. So let's hook that up 
with levonorgestrel oral at the same time. All right, so this was a study where some women got the copper tea, and then some got levonorgestrel 52 milligrams along with oral levonorgestrel, and then they looked at continuation rates. Short of it is, continuation rates did not differ by IUD type. It was like 60% continued with the copper tea, 70% continued with the levonorgestrel, uh, which ended up you know, really not being a, a, a statistically significant change. So again, this randomized clinical trial from 2021 is not the first one that, that, has, that has looked at this. It's the first one that looked at levonorgestrel intrauterine system, comparing it to the copper tea by itself. But back in 2017, uh, out of the journal Contraception, they did actually take a look at the same thing, hooking the levonorgestrel device along with, um, with oral levonorgestrel. All right, now that we've settled that, and I'm not, again, not trying to plug, Marina is not a sponsor at all, nor is Paragard. Okay, I'm just trying to, it's so much easier to say Marina than levonorgestrel intrauterine system. So just go with it. I'm going with it. Uh, the, the, the groups that are for the levonorgestrel intrauterine system for emergency contraception at 52 milligrams. <gasps> See how much energy that takes than just saying Mirena? But the groups that are for it include Planned Parenthood Federation of America. Actually, if you look that up, I'm looking at it right now on their website. That's patient-facing, meaning not for healthcare providers, just patient-friendly. It says there is evidence that there is no difference clinically or statistically on the uh, levonorgestrel 52 milligram or the copper T. And so Planned Parenthood, along with the Society of Family Planning, both have officially kind of endorsed Mirena as an option. Okay, so they're not plugging it just like that. You've got to do this one. It's just an option. That's all. It's just it's just we're doing it as a buffet and they can still get Ella, by the way. I mean, it's up to 120 hours, right? You can still get Ella, but don't do Ella with a progesterone releasing IUS. I mean, you, you got to do one or the other. And if you choose a Mirena style, you can likely give uh, plan B with that as the boost. And I'm going to show you where that data come in uh, as well. But, but And that's been evaluated, as I've just stated. So who is for it? Planned Parenthood and the Society of Family Planning. Remember, SFP uh, is the same group that also said probably don't need to give Rogam under 12 weeks. We've covered that as well. So a lot of stuff happening in, in the last couple of months uh, in women's health. It's kind of exciting, but you got to put everything into perspective. And speaking of the Society of Family Planning, I mean, look at the timeline of this stuff, guys. It's just, it's, it's almost like a little Hollywood movie, like a little drama, right? Because you've got the Cochrane Review, February 2023 says, hold on, we need more data. In the same month, the Society of Family Planning comes out and says, Hey, we've now endorsed <laughs> with the levonorgestrel 52 milligram intrauterine system as emergency contraception. It's like dong dong dongs. So you got <laughs> Cochrane Review saying, "Pump, pump the brake to June. Hold on, there, son. Hold on." And then Society of Family Planning says, "I'm going to take my chances." And and the reason that they say I'm going to take my chances is because they have taken a look at it, not just in the eyes of the RCT by itself, but as a tree in the forest, but in by taking stepping back and looking at the entire forest. And when you take a look at the entire forest, you're like, well, damn, I mean, that seems to work for me. And I'm going to give you those numbers in just a minute. Well, okay, so, so what did we learn, kids? <laughs> we learned that in this corner... We've got those that are pro Mirena as emergency birth control. And then in this corner, we've got those that are against Mirena 
as emergency birth control. I told you. I mean, we've got... And this is... I love this, honestly, guys. I hope you can... Uh, this comes through that... This is how medicine should be. I mean, it should be com- uh, a conversation and it should be full of debate. And then at the end, we let the data win. And my personal perspective, if you just want to know, all right, come on, Chapa, tell me, what, what, what are you thinking? Where are you at? I'm thinking, yes. I'm thinking until, until the next study, which is already in development, it's registered in clinicaltrials.gov, uh, who is trying to replicate the first RCT as the non-inferiority trial until that comes out. And it could very well say, oops, uh, yeah, let's not do that one. It's, it's not good until that tells us different. I think that has a this has a place, even with the potential theoretical issues here in randomization and in patient selection that I'm going to tell you. Um, that was the concern of the of the February 2024 uh, editorial slash commentary on reexamining the evidence for levonorgestrel as emergency contraception. So until something says don't do it, I'm going to offer the patient whatever she wants. Now, my personal perspective, not any guidance, not Planned Parenthood, not society family planning. It's 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 just in my personal thing. I would I would likely offer that, and if they choose it for continuation, I would offer that uh, along with a uh, Plan B, even though they're after uh, seventy two hours. If that's the case, I would offer definitely within seventy two hours along with this. But even if they're after the seventy two hour window, I think th- there is some data that potentially it could potentiate its effect and pick up any slack should there be any slack to worry about. Okay, so as we talk about oral medication, remember Ella or Olipristol is good for five days as 30 milligrams as a progesterone receptor modulator. And then right now, plan B, either single dose uh, called the one step or split dose. Nobody does split dose. Just take one damn pill and be done with it. 30 milligrams uh, is 72 hours. But of course, within the 72 hours, efficacy is best taken as soon after the act of, of UPI unprotected intercourse as possible. OK, um, so if, if you're asking me, do I do I think that there's a valid place for this? Absolutely. But also have to be real and have to we have to be just admit the, the truth that it, there's nothing like the gold standard of copper tea. That is the, the de facto. If somebody ever asks you what's the best hands down, it's the copper tea. Now, what's non-inferior seems to be uh, the levonorgestrel system at 52 milligrams, although that's being, that's being restudied in a separate trial right now. Uh, until that tells us something different, it's totally effective. If you want to look at that data for um, the new study for levonorgestrel as emergency birth control as a 52 milligram IUS, that is all you can look at that up in clinicaltrials.gov and I'll post that address, that uh, link website uh, on our reference page. But it's an easy search. It's levonorgestrel 52 milligrams IUD for emergency contraception and same day start. This is at clinicaltrials.gov. This is meant to, to, to try to reproduce what the 2021 publication, the non-inferiority study showed uh, to, to make sure that this is a, a thing that we can carry on. Okay, so trying to get more data uh, in support of that. Now, I, now I think it's time. Why don't we take a little break? Let that simmer in. Let that set. And then when I come back, we, we have to talk about this original study that started all of this. Okay, we got to talk about the 2021 publication, the non-inferiority trial. Uh, that was the, the Turek paper that came out in the New England Journal of Medicine. And we, we've got to put this into perspective. We've got to talk about this because this started all, this whole issue. Okay, this started 
this got published, officially launched uh, January the 28th, 2021, right? And the title was Levener Gestrel versus Copper Intrauterine Uterine Device for Emergency Contraception. This was a randomized uh, non-inferiority trial, again, in the New England Journal of Medicine. Let's talk about that as a recap when we come back after this very brief little pause. In January 2021, the New England Journal of Medicine published results from a three-year that spanned 2016 to 2019 randomized controlled trial that was called a non-inferiority design, all right? This was out of the University of Utah, and it was also done with Planned Parenthood Association of Utah. This was trying to compare the effectiveness of the copper tea and the levonorgestrel 52 milligrams intrauterine system. These researchers randomly assigned 711 patients to receive either the levonorgestrel IUS or the copper T as emergency contraception. So patients couldn't choose. They were randomized into which one they were going to get. All participants enrolled were seeking emergency birth control and reported at least one episode of unprotected sex within five days. Researchers were interested in whether the hormonal levonorgestrel IUS was as effective as the traditional, the gold standard, copper IUD. All participants had a negative urine pregnancy test before the IUD placement, and then follow-up was at one month after IUD placement, including reporting a urine pregnancy test either at home or during a follow-up visit at the health center. Participants were between the ages of 18 and 35. Their average age was about 24. And about a third of the participants identified as Hispanic in both groups. And a smaller percentage identified as black in both groups. Again, that was a third of participants that were Hispanic, followed by African-American. But the largest group was Caucasian. Now, here's the results. There was one pregnancy in the levener gestrel group. And there was zero pregnancies in the copper tea. So if you look at that, you're like, whoa, whoa, there was one pregnancy? Yes, there was one pregnancy. But when you do the math, it comes out to 0.3% failure rate at one month for the levener gestrel. And it was 0% in the copper tea. So not really clinically significant and not really statistically significant at all. So they found again, hey, this is non-inferior. wasn't better. It wasn't necessarily comparable. It was just non-inferior. Okay, so 0.3% and 0% in the copper IUD group. That was enough for the Society of Family Planning to go, hey, I'll take it. And also along along with Planned Parenthood. Now, the 0.3 sounds scary. Okay, there's one pregnancy in the cohort to like, oh, but you got to take a look. That's again, just looking at the tree. You're staring at one tree, a bunch of other trees out around you in the forest. When you step back and look bird's eye down and look at the entire field of failure of emergency birth control, you're like, wow, that's 0.3%. That's pretty damn good. So let me now tell you the rebuttal from the February 2024 piece. And then I'll tell you, we'll, we'll step back, take a look at the entire forest and why the 0.3%, even with a non-inferiority design, seems okay until this new study that's recruiting patients right now, and it's already up on clinicaltrials.gov, tells us otherwise. All right. 
So let, let me let me go over the rebuttal. Let me tell you the criticism from the 2024 piece, and then we'll 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 put it in proper perspective. All right, here we go. So this February 2024 piece is called Levonorgestrel Releasing Intrauterine Device as Emergency Contraception, Re-Examining the Data. Okay, again, nothing new. They already hit on this in the Cochrane Review, but here's their main rebuttal points. And the points that they raise are, are pretty fair. But again, just looking at the one study out of context, not sure if it's going to be that big of a deal. Okay, so here's where the rebuttal points. The, the biggest beef here, the biggest criticism, and it's true, I mean, it's, it's nothing hidden, it's easy to find, is that the study noted a, about a 10% difference between the levonorgestrel and the copper groups in terms of reported use of contraceptive method at last intercourse, okay? Now, remember, we, we usually talk about uh, unprotected, UPI, Unprotected Intercourse Act, or it could be ill-protected uh, intercourse. Hey, the condom broke, or I, I was on the pill, but I missed a couple of days, and then we had sex. So, right, it's not just all unprotected, uh, it's just ill-protected, okay? So this is one of the criticisms that in the two cohorts, if you actually take a look at those who reported some kind of contraception uh, around the time of of the of the intercourse act after which they sought emergency birth control there was more people who used some kind of contraception in the levonorgestrel group so the rebuttal is hey if they were like say they missed a pill or so but they were already on the pill and they just had some days off and then they had sex they could still be suppressed so because it was a higher number of of women on some kind of birth control 10% that could have thrown off the 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 success rate of levonorgestrel because it wasn't completely a uh, no kind of birth control with no kind of birth control does that make sense so in the two cohorts 10% of the women in the levonorgestrel reported some kind of contraception uh, around the time of last intercourse potentially that could have biased some of the results, even though this was done with intent to treat. And that's the right thing to do. So they realized that and they said that. And, and the way to kind of even that out is to um, is to put that in intent to treat analysis. That's why I'm like, hey, they, they, they realize that and they try to analyze the data correctly. So I'm all for that. All right. The second beef with this is that it was a non-inferiority. So they already kind of went in with like maybe it's, we don't doesn't we don't have to be perfectly equal to it, but just goodish, good enough, all right. And so the rebuttal here is when we're talking about emergency contraception, we just can't be goodish. We have to be really good, and that's one hundred percent correct. But that's looking at one tree. When you step out, listen to this, guys. Here's a clinical pearl. Okay, here's one of the big take homes. We're gonna start wrapping this up. Any kind of intrauterine contraception, copper tea or this intrauterine, is vastly superior if used within 120 hours, vastly superior to any oral form. Do y'all get that? So I will gladly take a 0.3% failure because that is still anywhere from five to six fold better than Ella. And Ella works. And this is not to dissuade anybody from using Ulipristol. Ulipristol is absolutely fantastic. And if we don't have any beef with using that, why are we kind of throwing a 0.3% failure rate under the bus compared to zero? Does that make sense? So you see, this is why I, I said, if you just take a look at that one tree, you're like, oh, 0.3. Well, it's not zero. No, it's not. But Ella's failure rate is five to six fold higher than that. So let me give you these absolute numbers. So now when you step away from the single tree and look at the entire forest, you're like, well, damn, 0.3 don't sound that bad after all. 
Now, before I give you those percentages in, in, in this new 2024 publication under their next steps section, the authors write, quote, patients requesting emergency contraception may benefit from co-treatment with oral levonorgestrel because there is no contraindication to this combination and the potential for benefit. Now, they go on to say, for those patients at highest risk of pregnancy, the use of copper IUD still offers the most reliable protection, end quote. And that's absolutely correct. So, again, it, it, it's not saying here that we should absolutely not do it. Uh, they're saying maybe we should wait for more data. And if you're going to use it, maybe do it as co-treatment with oral plan B. That seems to be safe and it can help. But we just don't have the pharmacodynamic mechanism of action. We're not really sure how it works. At the same, the same time, my answer to that is, well, we're not really 100% sure we know how the copper T works. We think we do. Uh, we've got pretty darn solid evidence that it's not an abortifacient. We know that. And we know that it's spermicidal in the tubes. Uh, oh, as an aside and as a self-plug, if you look at the Journal of Forensic Nursing, uh, I co-authored uh, a publication that came out last year along with Dr. Nancy Downing, who is fantastic. Uh, she is insane. Uh, and I mean insane, like typically not insane like she's cuckoo. I mean, she is in the SANE program. <laughs> she is a sexual assault nurse examiner, S-A-N-E. She is in the community of SANE. <laughs> Not she's insane. Um, and she's fantastic. So we we did this this misunderstanding myths and misperceptions of uh, of emergency contraception uh, as abortifacients. So and we did that in the Journal of Forensic Nursing. And uh, we go through the science here of how the best that we know uh, how these things work and how they don't. They we know that they do not work as abortifacients. Oh, they just popped it up on my screen. So here it is. It is forensic nurses' understanding of emergency contraceptive mechanisms, implications for access to emergency contraception. We also did this with some of uh, with another medical student um, who is uh, considering OBGYN. That was Elaine uh, Ashman. So a great team, and we published this uh, July through September uh, edition of 2023 Journal of Forensic Nurses. All right, y'all, I'm going to give you the, the perspective, now the proper forest perspective of failures of Plan B and Ella, okay? So when you hear the 0.3 is not as good as 0.0 for the copper tea, mm, well, how does that compare to Ella and Ulipristal? Well, let me give you these. By the way, uh, and I'm looking now at our reference sheet as we go down our references. We've gone through eight articles, guys. Look, we're focusing on one publication. Did y'all get this? February 2024, The Green Journal. Uh, re-examining the evidence. That's the one paper that we're trying to highlight. But to do that, we've done. We've included seven others. Is that wild or what? So in our whatever, how long this will be when they, I'm sure they'll edit out some of my redundancies. Don't edit out my stuff. I don't want you to all cut out stuff on this one, Mike, because there's so much stuff and I have to explain a lot. Just let it go. Okay, whatever it is, it's going to be all right. Do not edit stuff out without telling me. Um, I already lost it. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. So we, we're now at eight references. Now let me give you these numbers of what this looks like for the entire force, and then we'll bring this home. Oh, yikes. I was just told that we're like at 45 minutes. So that we got we got to wrap this up. This is It's getting too long. Here's the final take home. This is the big clinical pearl, okay? When you hear it's the non-inferiority, and this is why. These numbers are why society of family planning says, why not 
put it in there. It's better than nothing at all uh, and even better than uh, oral uh, emergency birth control. And so that's why uh, Family Planning Federation and S, uh, Society of Family Planning, uh, S, uh, FP, SFP, have both agreed for this, okay? Because whether it's the copper tea or the levonorgestrel, as a group, intrauterine device slash systems are the most effective and specifically as a sub-analysis, copper tea is the most effective of all, but compared to oral emergency contraceptive, they are five up to six-fold better efficacy. According to all the published data guys that have looked at ulipristol and levonorgestrel, the rates of pregnancy after use for emergency contraception is 1.8% for ulipristol and 2.6% for levonorgestrel. Y'all got that? So ulipristol is much more forgiving than um, than uh, levonorgestrel, absolutely, for sure, at 1.8% failure versus 26 for levonorgestrel. Even the World Health Organization has recognized this, and they, they've tried to combine oral levonorgestrel with mifepristone, 10 milligrams, and they said, hey, if we do that, we help levonorgestrel come down to around the uh, the effect efficacy of ulipristol at around 1.5%. So this is what I meant you have to put it in proper perspective because when you're standing right in front of the tree, looking at the tree and you see 0.3, you're like, I don't know, 0.3%. When the tree right next to you is 0.0, you're like, do I want to take that chance? But then you step up and look at a drone level down at all the trees and you're like, ooh, well, shoot. I mean, ulipristol is 1.8% failure and Ella's 2.6% failure, it's, it's, it's a no-brainer. This is why. So here's a take-home answer. We're going we're gonna to call it a day. Is there a place for levonorgestrel emergency contraception until the new study in clinicaltrials.gov tells us otherwise? Yes. Should it be used by itself? It seems to be non-inferior. I would choose to use that with Plan B based on that 2017 publication. Uh, and that, that's just me and that, other, and that other study. But all of this controversy over this one piece is nothing new. It was already mentioned last year, literally almost exactly a year ago, February 2023, and while some organizations have said, no, hold on, pump the brakes like the Royal College, others are much more forgiving. I'm all in favor of as much options as possible, but I have to recognize as the last point that the most effective emergency contraception of all is the copper tea intrauterine device. All right, podcast family, that brings us to a wrap. My goodness. That was a lot of stuff, wasn't it? But I, I mean, I just felt with these two days that we got these two messages and it being that we're true to form. This came out officially February the 1st. It's, we're taping this on February the 2nd, 2024. And I've asked Mike to, to get this out hopefully tonight uh, before the night's eve- the evening is over. Uh, it's good stuff, man. Good stuff. So send me a, a message on Instagram. Let me know what you think about this. Uh, and again, that study, this is not study, this new commentary from February 2024, in no way, absolutely threw the baby out with the bathwater. It just said maybe we should consider all things in perspective. And that's exactly what we try to do in this episode. As always, we're thankful for you. We're glad you're part of our podcast community. And we'll see you on another episode of Clinical Pearls. <laughs>